What's going on, guys? This is Zoom Disputed Drafts. I'm Evan here with Ryan, and we're going to be talking about the receiving class coming up. I know last year was one of those that we talked about how deep this class was, but I'm pretty sure I think this class is better at the top. It may not have the overall depth where they're like, you know, eight guys with first round grades, but I still think this could end up being just as good of a receiving class. Yeah, I agree with you, Evan. You know, two years in a row, as you, you said there, with just a loaded receiver class. But I agree. I think the top-end talent at, at the top of this draft in this receiver class is a little bit better than last year. I think uh, there were kind of those three guys last year that were kind of looked at in that top tier with CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs. So uh, it, it's kind of interesting. I, I, you know, I didn't anticipate we would get another class with, with as good a receivers, but uh, no, th this class definitely should, uh, should live up to the billing as well. Yeah. So then for the first receiver, you know, we're just kind of, we're not going in like a specific order to just kind of like where we see some guys just kind of naming them. So this may not be like the final of version of where we have these guys ranked, but the first receiver we are going to get into is the reigning Heisman trophy winner, reigning national champion, Devonte Smith. What do you like about him? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to like Evan. That's for sure. I, I really like Devonta Smith as a prospect. I you know we, we touched on the receiving class last year. Obviously he was teammates with Ruggs and Jerry Judy last year in that same recruiting class and uh, Ruggs and Judy opted to leave Alabama after their junior year. Devonta Smith comes back for his senior year, a little bit bigger role, just kind of sharing some targets with Jalen Waddle before his injury and then John Mechie. So Devonta Smith was really able to kind of shine in that Alabama offense, but really what kind of stands out for me is how consistent Devonta Smith was over his four years at Alabama I always think back to his freshman year catching the game-winning touchdown in overtime of the national championship game against Georgia great ball from Tua but um, just you see that that ability to to win in crucial moments for Devonta Smith I mean lit up pretty much every SEC record and um, you know just such a just such a smart football player I mean they, like you watch this guy play and he's winning in so many different ways whether it's after the catch or with his release at the line of scrimmage with his separation uh, when, when he's running routes. So, so much to like with Devonta Smith. I think he's definitely, you know, the best wide receiver prospect that I've ever scouted, just given the fact that he's been with Alabama for four years, been a productive player for four years, as you mentioned, won the Heisman trophy, which has not been won by a wide receiver since 1991. So I think his resume really just kind of speaks for itself. And um, I, I think Devonta Smith should absolutely be picked, you know, in the top 10, if not even the top five of this draft. Yeah, I, th I think, you know, both Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase have a chance of going in the top five. Right now, I have them pretty much rated as the same. You know, both of them are really good prospects. But with Devontae Smith, kind of what you talked about, you know, one, you know, I know this was his breakout season. Like he, you know, but he was overshadowed by Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, who were two other great receivers, two other first round talents. And so it wasn't really a knock against him. It wasn't that he was, it wasn't about him not being capable of doing it. The thing I really like about him is he is like football skills over athletic traits where he's maybe not going to be the most athletic guy in this class and he still moves well like it's not like he's slow or anything but he has probably the best ball skills of any receiver and you talked about his route running his ability to get guys to miss his hands everything that you want with a receiver and when you look at the best receivers in the nfl not many of them are just like these freakish, you know, four, three speed guys who have these guys like DeAndre Hopkins, who are just much better football players than mm -hmm. anything else. And that's the kind of thing I love about him is he has those football skills. Uh, the one thing that I guess you would talk about, it would be his frame. It hasn't been a problem yet. So I don't know why it would start being one now. I mean, the NFL will be a little bit more physical, but if he was putting up, you know, 1800 yards, 90, 1900 yards in the SEC, there's no reason to think that that would all of a sudden become a problem. You know, this is probably the frame that he has though. Just if you spend four years at Alabama strength and conditioning program and you know, you're still you know, kind of skinny, he may just have a skinnier build. 
Um, and you do wonder if that could be, you know, an in injury problem. But again, we just haven't seen any of those. Uh, as a player, you could say a lot of production. He did come from screens and schemed plays. That was something Alabama did a great job of coming up with plays, but it was his ability to win and make plays in the short passes, you know, medium passes and deep passes that make you kind of feel like regardless of where you put him, he's going to be really good. Yeah, no doubt about it. Really good analysis there from you, Evan. I thought definitely what stands out for me was Smith, as you mentioned, kind of that contested catchability. I mean, I remember the play that really stands out was a touchdown he had uh, against LSU this past year and really just kind of just jumped up in the air. And uh, Mac Jones really just had to put it anywhere close and you knew Smith mm-hmm. was going to come down with it. So, yeah, really just and that's kind of like, player. you know, with sometimes with skinnier guys, we're going to talk about it a little bit with smaller guys in a little bit, but, you know, like, it's a problem if he plays weak. He does not play weak, though. You know, like, he does not play soft. He doesn't play like a really undersized receiver. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I think when you watch Smith on the football field, there's plenty to like. I mean, you're, you're going to watch his film and, and come away with the conclusion that he's one of the best football players in this draft period. And sure, I think it's fair to kind of, you know, have a little bit of concern over over that frame, as you mentioned. And um, it's definitely something to note. But I think the the talent here really just kind of outweighs the concern with the weight. He, he was not a player that got injured in college. So um, as you said, he, he definitely doesn't lack that kind of play strength and uh, as, as shown, he's a good blocker as well. So really just such a complete wide receiver that um, even though he may be a little bit undersized from where you would kind of want, you know, that Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins, big time, huge receiver. I, I still think Devonta Smith is going to have a lot of success at the next level and, and more than worthy uh, of that high first round selection. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So then the next guy, so this might be the number one on some boards. You know, we're, like I said, we're not really doing this in our, I guess this is Ryan's boards order here. But, um, you know, for me, I have Chase and Smith pretty much tied up. Uh, so Chase is the number two. What do you see about him? Yeah, Jamar Chase uh, really just kind of dominated in that 2019 season for LSU when they would go all the way to the championship, really benefited by being around Joe Burrow, great offensive line, Justin Jefferson out wide as well, Clyde edwards Zeller in the backfield, just such a loaded offense. And Jamar Chase really just kind of lit it up that year. Definitely the game that really stands out for me with Jamar Chase is that national championship game that he played against Clemson, really just kind of torched A.J. Terrell, another first-round cornerback, Uh, in that game and really just showed um, how great of an ability Jamar Chase has to create separation. That's really the big thing for me that stands out with Chase. It seemed like Joe Burrow was just able to throw it. And then at the last second, Chase would just kind of break free, uh, create that separation and and make a catch in the corner of the end zone. So saw that a lot when it comes to Jamar Chase on tape. I think for me, a little reason why I have Smith ahead of Chase is just because I've seen it with Devonta Smith over a more uh, higher sample size. As I mentioned, it was really just kind of one year for Jamar Chase in 2019, decided to opt out in 2020 for an LSU team that was lost a lot of talent. So uh, definitely no knock on him for that, preparing for the NFL draft after respected, an incredibly productive player uh, in his 24 games with LSU, 23 touchdowns, almost a touchdown a game for Jamar Chase in college. So definitely a lot to like, but um, I think that I just have slight reservation. It's just that we only really saw Jamar Chase really ball out in one year when he was around you know one of the best teams in in LSU football history Mm -hmm. and I think that you know I think recency bias has led people to forget about how good this guy is just because you know he didn't play at all this season but it's really difficult to ignore the insane numbers he put up as a 19 year old in college and to your point you know so yes playing with Joe Burrow helps a lot I mean I think great quarterback play helps any receiver but his ability to get the separation that he did shows that you know it wasn't like he was blanketed and Burrow was just making these pinpoint throws there were some of those plays but his ability to create separation shows that he should be able to be productive pretty much anywhere 
Uh, he has great. He also has a great feel for the game. I really like his ball tracking skills. Mm-hmm. I also like his play strength. He tends to break a lot of tackles, and it's really hard to get over the fact that, you know, Justin Jefferson was on that team. And all anyone could talk about was how good Jamar Chase would be at the next level. You know, if you are on a team with Justin Jefferson, and that's not to say he will automatically be a better pro, but when those two played alongside pro prospects, pro scouts consistently said that Chase was the better prospect and knowing how good Justin Jefferson is, it's hard to ignore then what the future could hold for Jamar Chase. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think the top two in this wide receiver class really is, is just so elite just to kind of tie into the, kind of the start of our conversation. You know, I was very high on Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb last year. I thought those were two of the better receivers that I saw coming out. Both of them, uh, you know, maybe fell a little bit more in the draft than I kind of expected. Definitely didn't think C.D. Lamb would get all the way to the Cowboys at 17. But mm-hmm. I think Smith and Chase alone as that kind of duo at the top, definitely players that I expect to be, you know, picked in, the, in that kind of top 10 range and, and be off the board very quickly. So both have a ton of skill and, and are more than worthy uh, of those high first round selections. Yeah. I, I mean, and you also think about, you know, Jalen Waddle who we're getting into right now, that's another guy who could, I don't know if he goes top 10, but I think that could be another top 15. That kind of, kind of reinforces our point that, you know, this class may not have like the same amount of first round talents, but the, the guys who are there might be just as good, if not better than anyone who was in last year's class. And so then Jalen Waddle from Alabama, there, there are a few different things. I mean, he's an absolute burner, has great speed. But I think the thing that's important to point out is he also has skills. We're mm. too often to focus on guys' speed. Like when John Ross ran a 4-2 and then he went like 11th in the draft, it was a little crazy because it was like, you know, he's not just – he's not a great prospect. He's just really fast. And the thing I like about Jalen Waddle is he can do a lot more than just like your typical speed. So, and that's why the Henry Ruggs pick really bothered me last year for the Raiders because he doesn't do enough of the other things well to ever really be, in my opinion, at least like a top seven, top five receiver in the league, which what you're kind of looking for if you're taking a receiver that high. And Waddle has all that, has great burst off the line. He also is a little bit undersized. Um, and the, the thing you would say about in Alabama, he was not used in a ton of contested catch situations, but the few that he were he was in, he did prove that he could do that as well. He put up production over a few years. I know he got injured uh, during this season, but up until the injury, he looked really good. And this is a guy who could be the number one receiver in a lot of other classes. I wouldn't go as far. PFF recently had him as their wide receiver too over Devontae Smith. I don't think I would say that, but he's really, really good. No doubt about it. Thought that was really good analysis from you on that, Evan, because I think that is really a big part of it. Yes, Jalen Waddell is definitely a straight burner, has that crazy speed, but he has that football skill added on to it. Great contested catchability, really good vertical, incredible after the catch. That's really what kind of stands out for me with Jalen Waddle. It seems like so many times Bama was able to get him the ball, you know, in that short and intermediate range and let him just kind of fly down the field and uh, burn past everybody. So and, and we were talking about this with Smith that uh, obviously he had to be, you know, sharing snaps with Judy and Ruggs. I mean, Waddle was in that uh, recruiting class right after them. So it was even more of a challenge for Waddle to find ways to get on the field. And he was still able to do so for Alabama's really like Jalen Waddle. I know he definitely had that ankle injury last year, played in the national championship game. That was kind of weird, but I don't think yeah, for me look, that's too big awful. of a concern. Yeah, that, that was kind of a strange decision, but definitely a lot to like with Jalen Waddle, a player I definitely expect to go in the first round. And um, yeah, really just to kind of tie it in, I, I think you had great analysis because obviously players are looking for speed. Your mm-hmm. teams are looking for, for players that are fast. You know, it's not a secret that that is such a great way to win. I think you look at some of the top teams in the NFL, obviously the Kansas City Chiefs really stand out when you look at Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Miko Hardman, all those players incredibly fast, but they have that football skill added on to it. It's not like they just 
just have that straight speed uh, and, and are not able to win with kind of their play strength. So I think Waddle is going to be a, a really strong professional uh, in the NFL for, for a lot of those reasons and um, should, should make a team uh, very happy on draft day. Yeah, and I guess to kind of go off that Tyreek Hill, you know, and this is one of the reasons I don't like comparisons for the draft, is we'll t- like every year, if anyone who runs in the 4 twos is the next Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. But like, I think Waddle is the first guy in the last few years who actually possesses some of the other necessary skills that Tyreek Hill has to be, I don't know if he'll be as good as Tyreek Hill, but be like that level of a player where like, like I said, I never bought into the Henry Ruggs and maybe he could prove me wrong this year. I just never felt like he was a Tyreek Hill level guy. Certainly never felt that way about John Ross. This guy actually could be a pro bowler. Yeah. Good analysis uh, on that for sure. Really, really agree. And, uh, and really like Waddle as a prospect. Okay, so then the next next one up, uh, Rashad Bateman. This is another guy. So he had a very weird 2020. Uh, he opted out, then he opted back in, and then he opted back out midway through the season. Uh, it was kind of a weird year. And also some huge regression from his quarterback, Tanner Morgan, made it difficult to measure him. He played pretty well. Uh, but it was just, it was a shortened season. The Big Ten, especially, you know, COVID made it difficult to take a lot of things on film. But I think especially with the Big Ten, with having all the opt-outs and everything that happened there, um, it was just an odd season. So most of what you're going to look at with Bateman will be 2019, where he was one of the best receivers in the country. Uh, he's great off the release. Uh, he's a pretty versatile receiver in terms of being able to win on the inside. The outside can be used in short passes and deep passes. Uh, you know, his his pro day 40 was something I did want to talk about. It was like, a, I don't know. He, he had a 40 recorder that was like a fourth. Wasn't it like a four, three, nine? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's not slow on film, but it was kind of interesting because it was always, people always felt like his speed was a weakness. Um, and I don't believe, again, I don't believe him to be like overly slow or anything. It's just, I don't know if the film really matches that you'd say the biggest issue with him, he did have a lot of drop problems and that can hold guys back a lot at the next level. And some of them were like focus drops where he would just like kind of lose, kind of lose the ball in the air and stuff like that. Uh, but overall, you know, this is a guy where if the draft, if he went pro last year, which he couldn't cause he was a sophomore, but if he did, I think that he would have gone really high. I think it's just this last year. And it wasn't just that, you know, everything that happened with him, it was guys like Devontae Smith rising to the occasion, but I still think he's a first round talent for sure. I agree with you. I thought that was really good analysis on Bateman, really like his ability to create separation as a route runner and also succeed after the catch. I think that's really what kind of stands out. Bateman, another player that a lot of times Minnesota was just getting them the ball, you know, short and intermediate routes and, and given have an ability to um, kind of make hay after the catch. So really like that aspect um, when it comes to Bateman, a little bit bigger player too, six to two ten. So I mm-hmm. uh, definitely like that frame. Uh, and, and interesting that you brought up that speed element too. I think what I kind of thought of while you were going through that, Evan, was the fact that Justin Jefferson last year was a player that ran a four three eight at the combine, and he was a player that too I would kind of say is like, well, he's kind of just more of a smooth route runner, and uh, I didn't really view him as, as kind of that straight line speed guy, but mm-hmm. definitely kind of showed that he has that play speed when he's out there, and I see that with Bateman as well. So. Um, I don't know if necessarily Justin Jefferson is a great comp for Bateman. You know, obviously both are uh, have their own strengths and weaknesses, but um, really am a big fan of Bateman. I think he definitely is going to get consideration for a, a pick in kind of the back half of the first round. So uh, a lot to like with the uh, the Minnesota receiver there, and really kind of shines.
playing this year. Uh, and you mentioned that he opted out, opted back in, and, and only played a handful of games this past season. But um, he was definitely the focal point of that offense. No more Tyler Johnson, who went on to the NFL with the Tampa Bay Bucks. So that Minnesota offense was going to Rashad Bateman when they were throwing the ball. So um, just seeing that he was a focal point of the offense and still able to have success when the defense knew that he was going to get the ball, I think that should serve Bateman well going to the NFL. Yeah, and you know, when we talk about this season being weird, it wasn't that Bateman had any bad film. He was still very, very good. It was just limited reps. And like we said, you know, his quarterback was not getting him the ball as well as he had the last season. So it's just all of that. But, you know, he's still a really talented player. We kind, You kind of touched on everything there is to know about him. Uh, I'd be very surprised if he slipped out of the first round. Uh, and then, so then the other first round guy, this was interesting to me, Ryan, you have Kadarius Toney ahead of Rondell Moore on your board. And they are similar players, but for Kadarius Tony, you know, great after the catch player, you know, that uh, his ability to make guys miss. And this is the whole reason why Kyle Trask, some people aren't sure about drafting him in the first round, just because he had Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts. And those two guys are, you know, on a lot of boards rated higher than Trask, just because of what, how much they helped him with their ability to win matchups and then get those yards after the catch. Tony also has great hands. Uh, I can't remember exactly. I think it was like three drops on 120 catchable targets over the last couple of years, something like that. Very, very good hands. The concern with him is he's not a complete route runner. And so, you know, at the next level, his ceiling will be determined by how many, you know, how many different routes he can run. Can he become more of a deep route running player as well? But overall, I think it's really difficult to not like the talent and everything that he showcased last year. No doubt. Good analysis from you on that. I thought Evan really agree with your point that he's another player that you want to get the ball short and, and let him use his ability after the catch to make guys miss. I saw that a lot with that Gator offense. And two, I think one element of Tony that he brings that may be a little bit different from some other receivers is Florida was using him to rush the ball too. He's 66 rushing attempts in his career. So definitely not a player that, um, you know, maybe he is a little bit more limited in terms of his route tree, but you can use him in some more creative ways when it comes to some of those like jet touch passes or getting him the ball uh, as a rusher as well. So I like that versatility uh, with Kadarius Tony. And I think with Tony, a, a reason that I do have him in this spot is because I think he is more of a traits based player, which is something that I am a big fan of when it comes to scouting players. I think that uh, is a good way to go when it comes to projecting guys in the NFL. I think Tony's abilities to make guys miss and also um, use his ability after the catch. So I think he's just that kind of versatile weapon that uh, kind of fits the mold of, of some guys that have gone in the NFL before him, like Curtis Samuel or even Debo Samuel, uh, just kind of those gadget guys that may be a little bit smaller, but have a ton of skill, ton of speed uh, and great ability to make guys miss. So I think Tony would be a great addition to, to an NFL team. And uh, we'll see if he, if he gets into that back half of the first round, could be uh, an early second round pick, but I think he's definitely in that range for sure. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a pretty good analysis there. Like, I, I agree. I agree with pretty much everything that you're saying there. Um, so then the other guy, this would be the person I think mo more people would have in the first round over Tony would be Rondell Moore. And there are some similarities there. Uh, so Moore, also one of the most dynamic players in this class, freakishly athletic. Uh, you know, he's undersized as well, but he doesn't really play like it. And that was kind of what we were talking about with some of the guys earlier where he's, but his thing is not like a frame issue. He's just short. He's 5'9". But when you watch him on film, you know, he's a freakish athlete and he's really strong, but he plays like it. You know, his play strength is so much better than you would expect from a guy who's that small. I think he's, you know, like what's five, nine, one ninety. Is that, are those his dimensions? Yeah. I have a one eighty, but yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. That's even, definitely I, I knew, I knew it wasn't time. 200. Yeah. He's smaller guy, but he breaks a lot of tackles and he breaks right. them with his strength. Like he will force guys off of him. And I think that's really important to see. Um, 
So, I mean, the only thing that you would say from him being undersized, the, the two concerns that would come up would be one, you know, durability, which has been a problem for him in the last couple of years. So it is something, it's not something you can just brush off. And then two, you know, because of his size, you're probably not going to get a ton of jump balls or anything like that. So those are the limitations that he does have. But I would say, even though he's small, he does enough other things well um, that he'll find it. He'll find a place in, in this league. And then he's also had some versatility. It's just, we haven't seen it in a couple of years. There is a little bit of a limited route tree. He was really just used in the short pass game. I mean, primarily screens. He had a lot of screen attempts, but you know, with Purdue, I'm not sure how much of that is Rondell Moore is, you know, that's all he can do or Purdue just used him in that way. And that's just how they utilized him because towards the end, towards his, uh, you know, this his end of his junior year, I was kind of confused with how they were using him because I thought there were some other things they could have been doing with him better. Mm. Uh, but overall as a prospect I really like him I think there are just kind of some unknowns because he was incredible as a freshman had that game against Ohio State and that was kind of like for everyone else in the country be like wow like this kid's really special and he got injured as a sophomore and then his junior he, he was another one of those guys who opted out opted back in and we didn't see as much of him as we expected I was again I was really surprised with how Purdue utilized him and so then you know, for you talk a little bit about him. And then I also think it'd be interesting to compare, bring him back to Kadarius Tony because they are similar players too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. A lot of similarities between that usage with Tony and more. I mentioned that dirt Debo Samuel, Curtis Samuel mold more really uh, kind of fits into that as well. I think really of like all the receivers in this class, I've probably done the most research on Rondale Moore. Uh, you know, five-star recruit coming out of Louisville could have gone anywhere in the country opts to go to Purdue of all places, just because their head coach, Jeff Rom has those Louisville ties and his background. So he pretty much said in his recruiting pitch, listen, Rondale, if you end up coming to West Lafayette, Indiana for your college career, we are going to feed you the football, unlike any other player in the entire country. And that's exactly what happened. I, Rondale Moore in his career play ended up playing 20 games for Purdue. You mentioned the star freshman year and a little bit of issues with injury and opting out and uh, had some issues here this junior year but receptions per game for Rondale Moore when you when you just talk how many touches this guy 8.9 per game I mean this guy is almost averaging nine touches a game Purdue was just force feeding Rondale Moore the football as you said a lot of plays where he's getting the ball really short whether it's a jet touch pass whether it's a screen whether it's a shallow cross and they're like listen make something happen and a lot of times Rondale Moore did end up doing that you mentioned that he may be a little undersized, but there's videos of him squatting 600 pounds. You're not going to deny Rondale Moore's toughness out there. Really good ability to break tackles and, and break plays a long way. When I was doing some scouting on Moore, one play that really stood out came against Boston College from a couple years ago. He just gets drilled on this inside, uh, you know, in route that he had and stays on his feet and breaks it all the way for like a 65-yard touchdown. So you just cannot deny the outright ability that exists with Rondale Moore. But there's just some question marks. Like you said, he his best season came as a true freshman two years ago so are there concerns that well we haven't seen this guy kind of progress and and get better over the course of his career there's just been kind of issues that have gotten in the way is that something that we're concerned about you know going forward with more as a pro as you said maybe a little bit more limited not a player I think that should be lining up out wide a ton but definitely still an absolute weapon for you out there so Definitely see a lot of similarities between he and Kadarius Tony, as we said. I think they're just kind of have similar skill sets, but um, I, I think that both these players are going to get consideration. And a lot of times at this point, uh, you know, if, if say we're in the late first round, it's just going to come to kind of team preference. You know, even if Tony gets picked first or if Moore gets picked first, it's just going to kind of be what you know one team decides is more valuable for kind of their scheme fit and whatnot. So a lot to like with Rondell Moore as a prospect. Just have a little bit of concerns with the fact that you know his best football came when he was back as a true freshman two years ago 
Yeah, and I like how you pointed out, you know, that he, that, you know, a lot of these guys getting picked, once you get past Chase, Smith, and Waddle, who are kind of seen as the top three guys, after that, you know, I don't know if there's a clear fourth. That kind of depends on your board. I think a lot of people would have Bateman there, but it just depends on what teams are looking for. And so, like, if you do not want a, like, a slot guy, then you're not going to pick Rondell Moore. I mean, you know, and that may, and that has nothing to do with his, you know, the, he, the fact that he's not good. It's just that, you know, he has a very specific skill set. And if you already have a guy like that, then there's no, not really a use for him on the team. And so that could have a lot to do with where he goes, you know, him being a little bit more of a specific receiver and how he's going to be used and how you do kind of have to feed him and make him a huge point of emphasis to get him to be effective in your offense. That could change what teams are really willing to work with that and what teams aren't. Uh, then, so for then our next receiver, another guy who we have, uh, you have Terrace Marshall from LSU. This was a guy who, you know, I think this year gave us a little bit more of what he was capable of. It, it was difficult to stand out on that team in 2019, just because you have one Joe Burrow, and then you had, you know, the two guys we talked about, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. And just because of that, you know, he had a good season there, but this year was his first first season to kind of go into like that main role there are a lot of things that to really like about him uh you know his contested catch ability his catch radius is ridiculous he is a little bit of a bigger receiver at six two his frame is still he's still not that big he's around 200 pounds but his ability to make catches in traffic you know i don't know that might be the best of anyone in this class feel free to disagree with me there but I just believe, you know, watching that, that's, he has some very special skills, kind of some things that you can't really teach and seeing him jump into this role at LSU had it, you know, it was a huge downgrade, obviously in quarterback, you know, anyone, Joe Burrow to anyone, it's going to be a little bit of a downgrade, but I really like what I saw from him this season. The only thing you would say is he only spent seven games in his really his entire career as like the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he was really, he was the third best receiver, which I don't think there's any, not like there's nothing wrong with being the third best receiver on a team that features Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, but we just haven't seen a, a lot of reps of him as the number one receiver. Uh, and he also, he was another guy who did have some drop problems, but Overall, I still really like him. I could see him going in the first round. I don't think he will, but I don't think it would be a bad pick because he has some of those skills, and I think he has the ability to develop into a little bit of a better player. I don't think he's as polished right now as some of the guys we previously mentioned, but it's that ability to develop into a really good player that I think could appeal to a lot of teams. Yeah, good analysis there from you, Evan. Definitely agree with a lot of what you said. And I think the thing for me, I watched a lot of LSU back in 2019. You know, obviously that was a loaded team. And you mentioned that Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson were obviously, you know, the top two guys. Justin Jefferson had like 1,400 receiving yards and Jamar Chase had a million touchdowns. So the fact that Terrace Marshall stood out at all in that offense is noteworthy. And he definitely did. I think where he really made his impact was in the red zone. Terrace Marshall is a outstanding player at coming up with touchdowns. As you said, that contested catchability. His touchdowns per game in college is, is 0.82. That's kind of an interesting stat, but uh, it, it's among the best in this draft class. So I think the fact that Terrace Marshall stood out at all, but the fact that he was a part of kind of that touchdown parade, that dominant LSU offense, the fact that he even made an impact at all is definitely noteworthy. And then as you mentioned, then you come back 2020, not as strong of a team, but Terrace Marshall at the beginning of the year was balling. He was, he was catching touchdowns, you know, all throughout and, and really kind of keeping LSU um, as kind of their focal point of that offense. So a lot to like with Terrace Marshall for me, I don't think he's a player that will get picked in the first round, but I think he's going to be a good value pick on day two. So a lot to like 
with Marshall for me, I think that that has a lot of value. I think that his best skill is coming up with touchdowns. And that's what, that's what a lot of teams want. You know, it really kind of comes down to how you succeed in situational football when you're in the red zone, when you're on third down. So I think that's an area where Terrace Marshall does a really good job at. And um, I I think he's going to be a strong professional um, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things you want to look for, you talked about this, how like looking for traits, I think you want to look for areas where guys are really good, like where guys are exceptional, you're not just looking for where they're average, where they're okay. Right. And he has one thing that he does really, really well. And, you know, this is not what a team would hope for. But if he just is a red zone guy, there are guys who are in the league just for the red zone capabilities. No and so even if he doesn't develop, which I believe he can, there is going to be a place for him in this league just to help quarterbacks out because he can be a jump ball weapon. So that's what I really like about him because even if, you know, like who he is right now, he can contribute to an NFL team, but I also think he can develop into like a number one receiver on a good team. So any other guys that you want to talk about, you know, the thing is with this receiving class, I think with receivers, it's easier to go on and on because you do have a lot yeah. of sleepers. You have a lot of other guys. Was there anyone that you mentioned, we didn't mention that you really want to talk about? Yeah, as you said, just a stack receiver class. I think there's going to be more guys that end up going on day two that we did not get to talk about and even some good value on day three just because of the sheer depth in this class. One guy for me that I think is maybe a little bit underrated is Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State. He opted to come back for his senior year at Oklahoma State this past year. Kind of an interesting decision. I think that the fact that that is noteworthy, that Wallace was a player that was like, no, actually, I want to come back and play this year instead of opting out uh, to kind of finish his year at Oklahoma State. But I think he's just a really strong player I don't think he's necessarily the most burner of the group I I think he's going to run in the you know kind of mid to late four fours but he's just a really solid player all around I think that he's been a productive player pretty much all throughout his career at Oklahoma State and good ability to win after the catch good route running so I think just a a really solid prospect that maybe kind of falling a little bit under the radar just because of uh, how dominant this class is but there's a lot of those guys in this class but I think for me I'm a big fan of, of Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State. Yeah, that, that's an interesting guy to talk about. I think that's a guy who really has gone uh, gone under the radar, which I think you could say that about a lot of guys and even yeah. some of the guys that we didn't mention who we right. still think are really good. Uh, we, You know, he is a little bit undersized, but we've already talked about why that isn't that big of a deal with most of our re- most receivers in this class. Uh, the thing that I really like about him, he has some pretty quick releases off the line. That's been the thing that I've noticed. He's a pretty good route runner, um, and I like his ability to get separation. Those are the main things, you know. I think with him, uh, he's a guy, again, you know, once you get past these first few guys and you, you have, we ha- there's some guys who kind of have set first round grades on, but once you get past there, it becomes a lot more wide open. I think he's probably more of a third or fourth round guy, but it will be interesting to see exactly where he goes. Yeah, no doubt. I, I agree with all that analysis. Any guy for you, Evan, anyone we haven't talked about that uh, you want to give a shout out to in the receiver class? Uh, not really. I mean, Rondell Moore was a guy who I really had as like a sleeper early on, but the more I've watched him, the more, you know, and it's not that I don't like him. It's just, I think we've kind of talked about, there were some things that there were, he has some things that give him a lot of potential, but he also has some things that limit his potential. And so that was like the one guy who I really, really liked. And I wanted to talk about more, but as time's gone on, I feel like I think his grade that he has right now is probably pretty fair for other receivers outside of this group. Um, I, th- I mean, I think these are the main guys. I think these are the main guys to look at. And also these are the main guys I've really had time to like scout and look at. So as time goes on, there might be a couple other guys, but that's about it. Yeah. 
Good stuff. No, as you said, like very stacked receiver class, even some of these smaller school guys that, that we didn't to touch on as much like Jalen Darden from North Texas, Demonte Coxie from uh, Memphis, uh, Marquez Stevenson from Houston, Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan. Like I, I feel like all of those guys are really solid players. So it really just kind of goes to show how loaded this draft class is. And uh, that's kind of an interesting point too, because there's a lot of teams that, you know, will consider, do we take Jamar Chase or Demonte Smith in the top 10? But at the same time, you may be able to find a starting receiver on day three of the draft just because of how loaded this class is. I kind of think about that in this past class. The example I like to point out is Darnell Mooney for the Bears. You know, he was like a totally under the radar guy from Tulane that the Bears nabbed on day three of the draft and uh, really had good output as a starter for him. So there's going to be some guys like that in this class that um, just kind of fall under the cracks, but are going to give teams immediate production right away. And um, they, they should be able to find that on, uh, on the third day of the draft, no doubt. Yeah, so that, that pretty much wraps it up. And then I think, you know, next couple of weeks, uh, not sure if we're going to get into some other positions. I think we might start talking about um, we might start talking about kind of some mock drafts, maybe going over the boards and just seeing some or certain fits and certain things for other teams. Because as we because I didn't want to do this early on, but now we're getting into the free agency process. Right. We now do know have a better idea of what teams needs are and what, what they're looking for and then what would be better fits for them. And so I think we can start getting into that, which is kind of a little bit more fun. And it's, you know, the closer we get to the draft, the more and more comfortable we can feel about these boards. You know, when you're making these mock drafts in January, so much is subject to change. I think we're getting a better idea of how this draft board is going to shape up. Yeah, I agree with you. Definitely like your point about free agency. It's been nice to have that uh, for a couple of days, officially the new league year. So we saw uh, some trades that we were waiting on, like the Matt Stafford trade, the Carson Wentz trade. Those are now official. So um, pretty cool. It's good that uh, we've gotten a lot of football news here in the offseason. Yeah, so that's about it. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, do you want to give social media a shout out anything? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely hit us up on social media. I love talking about the draft. You can follow me on Twitter at Roadkill823 or on Instagram at RyanCarney823. So uh, yeah, good stuff, Evan. Really uh, always fun talking ball with you. Yeah, and then I'll throw in my, I don't really use a ton of Instagram, but uh, ebruner23 and then Twitter as well as at ebruner23. Like I said, don't really use all those that much, but again, love talking sports. Uh, you know, it's been, it's been tough. I've really been just venting about the Bears these last few days. Um, it's, it's tough, man. The Andy Dalton um, train. That's what you guys are. Yeah, on. dude, I'm, I'm going to like mock Zach Wilson to the Bears. It's not going to work, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Hey, um, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, so it's good, good talk to you, man. I'll see you around. Yep, sounds good. Have a good one, everybody.